0: The holy gospel according to luke the 13th chapter now jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the sabbath and just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years she was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight when jesus saw her he called her over and said woman you are set free from your ailment when he laid his hands on her immediately she stood up straight and began praising god but the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, There are six days on which to work, on which work ought to be done. Come on these days to be cured, and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites, does not each one of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or donkey from the manger and lead it to, away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for eighteen long years? Be set free from this bondage on the sabbath day when jesus said this all his opponents were put to shame And the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things. He was doing the gospel of the lord Lord I invite y'all to be seated Um, I wanted to just draw our attention to a couple of things to to think about from the previous two from two of the previous scriptures before we move on here one is from the isaiah reading your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt and then you will be called the repairer of the breach the restorer of streets to live in but finally more pertinent to the gospel if you refrain from trampling the sabbath which means from pursuing your own interests on my holy day so bear that in mind what it is that the law is actually saying about what we do on the sabbath to keep it holy and avoid trampling it don't pursue your own interests on that on the Sabbath, and then um, the difference in the second reading in Hebrews between some between what cannot be touched, which I think in some ways is either a, a faith or a, a religion or a denomination or a church or a culture that thinks about rules above and beyond all else. You have not come to something that can't. That can be touched, like a blazing fire, a darkness and gloom and a tempest. You know, all of those things that can be touched. But even the sounding trumpet in certain circumstances can not only be a little startling, but it can also be harmful. But you have come to Mount Zion in the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, which is a home. A city, Jerusalem, a home to innumerable angels and all these other things. And so it's a not its not a place where just being present and touching the things around it and hearing the sounds of the city can be harmful. It is a place that we can call home. And then for indeed, need, our God is a consuming fire is the way this one ends. And for those of y'all who were here last week, I'm positive that after you left here, you spent all kinds of time just considering the the sermon that the pastor gave last week for a long time, and this week will not be as long, I promise. But, you know, that about the fire that heals but the water that frightens. And so when we talk about God as a consuming fire, I I thought immediately when I read this text earlier in the week about the passage in the Gospel last week where it said, do you think I have come to bring peace? No, I have come to bring division. I have come to bring fire upon the earth and how I wish it were already kindled. And, and remember... I had said in the last couple of weeks that, you know, while we started that gospel of Luke two weeks ago with a word of hope and ended it in a word of warning that actually was a word of hope, that Luke would become over the next couple of weeks warning her and warning her. Last week, where Jesus was talking about this fire and about how the divisions would work, father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother. Brother against sister, sister, and etc. And then the in-laws against the in-laws. And I do think there's a certain section in that that observes this is just kind of how families operate. That we tend to have conflict sometimes. But more, this idea that Jesus comes to bring division is something that I think when we hear it, it makes us uncomfortable. Because what do we think that Jesus is going to do? What images do we use for Jesus? The images that we use for Jesus remind me of uh, the... The seminal art cinema picture, Ricky Bobby, where he says, I like the sweet baby Jesus because he's cute and cuddly, but he's come to be the savior of the world. And, and what do we really love to celebrate? We love to celebrate Christmas where Jesus is in the manger, meek and mild and lowly and not a sound does he make, just like all parents in the middle of the night do indeed hope for their babies. But we, we use images that, that are gentle and meek. Like Jesus the Lamb. And yes, we talk about Jesus as the shepherd. But the shepherd is sort of meek too. And then we, we get Jesus saying things like this. I do not come to bring peace but a fire. And how I wish it were already kindled. I come to set people against each other. And that, I don't know about y'all, is not an image that's particularly comforting to me. Except... When we begin to understand, as we thought about last week, what that fire really is, the fire that Jesus brings is the truth. The fire that Jesus brings is an unwillingness to engage in the white, live pleasantries that allow us to have skin deep relationships that really kind of fall apart at the first disagreement rather than the deep relationships that that allow us to be who the church is called to be. People who bear each other up in our sorrows. People who in times of trouble are willing to relate to each other and forgive each other and repent when we've done something wrong and do the things that build deep relationship. And so in those moments where we know we need people we can trust, that is who the church is. And so the division that Jesus brings is the division that comes when we are overcoming those tendencies just to be nice because nice is easy. It's the division that comes where we stop engaging Jesus simply as the baby who is cute and cuddly, but also as the one who has the tenacity to not only take the cross, not because it's what Jesus wants, but because it's what God has called him to do, but the one who is able to stand in the midst of the synagogue encountered by a woman who had been ill for 18 long years, stooped over because of whatever had befallen her, And knowing that it was going to rile people up, or in the Wolf household, George Wolf, my dad, has always said you gotta know the rules before you break the rules. And so Michelle's comment about discerning whether a ruler is good or not, I almost said amen. That's a good sermon, we'll call it there. But I have to earn my money somehow, right? But but that's the case. Jesus knows the rules, he understands the rules, and it's not because Jesus is some stranger who just walks into the synagogue to cause trouble. But it's because every gospel, throughout the gospels, we see the same thing time and time again. Jesus is in the synagogues. Jesus is a part of the church. Jesus preaches and teaches and participates. Jesus is a part of the community. And so, again, one of the little things we like to say in our culture is somehow Jesus was above the fray of when, uh, what went on in the church. Because the church can be so argumentative, yada, 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 and all the things that we like that we hear people say from time to time. But Jesus values relationship in the places where relationship matters. And I think the reason this is so important is because it demonstrates something about what the purpose of the church is. If the church is a place where God shows up through Jesus, that's a place I'd like to be. And, And so part of what I wanted to do at the beginning of this is dispel an important cultural myth that we have that somehow... We find in the church a place that, you know, people who are kind of crazy go to try to be better. But what the church is, is where people who are people, like people everywhere, go because we recognize that one of the most important ways to give thanks to the God who is giving us life is by doing so in community. And I think this gospel, through its warning, about becoming complacent in the culture and in the rules and in the the things that govern us, so much so that we'll allow people to suffer in our midst, as has happened in this story. We we recognize what the church is called to be. It's a place where we honor the Sabbath by not getting caught up in the business that belongs to us alone, not getting so caught up in accomplishing our tasks, our goals, our hopes, our projects, our ideas, personally, but being able to recognize that what church really is, is a place where we all come for a word of comfort, a word of healing, and the reminder that comfort and healing, when they're true, and not just the kind of cultural niceties that sometimes people engage in, when they're true, healing and love And comfort also come at the price of honesty and real relationships that do not wither when we have disagreements so when i see this vision of the church when i see this vision of what jesus is bringing when i see this opportunity to live as people that god is calling that we look at who we are and who we've been and who we feel called to be and sometimes recognize that some of our old traditions are things that have to go away so that the new ones can be established Or some of the new things that we do are things that we really ought to let down because maybe sometimes the things we've done are better. It's a call to be uncomfortable. It's a call to reside in a place where sometimes we don't always know what to expect because we're not about the things that we necessarily desire or want. But we, the people of God, are called to be about the things that God calls us to do. And that means being aware of what that calling looks like, even in the places where we're comfortable. And and I have to admit, there's a piece of me that identifies with the the priests in the the synagogue who get after Jesus for healing the woman. My my imagination sort of makes the story go this way from that perspective. There the rabbi is in the middle of a beautiful, you know, elucidation of, of the scriptures. Talking about how wonderful God is and everyone is just sitting there like this like all people do during sermons, right? And all of a sudden, Jesus runs in and sees, wait, there's a woman who needs healing and she's coming to me. And all of a sudden, the rabbi looks and sees this person who he knows to sort of be someone who does what he wants because this is the narrative that I think from the perspective of, of the church, Jesus might seem like. And all of a sudden, in the middle of worship, Jesus stops everything and causes her to be healed. And... I think the reason this is such a compelling image to me is because I think we all encounter those places in our lives where we are called to do something a little different in the middle of the part of church that we enjoy. In the middle of the part of church that we like to be a part of. And maybe for some it's somebody who runs in and interrupts coffee hour. Maybe for some it's someone who runs in and leaves and I promise, I, I always use a napkin so this is just an example. Someone who runs in and leaves fingerprints on the book here on the altar that are so hard to buff out. You know, per, perhaps it's somebody who runs in in the middle of a Sunday school class or someone who runs into in the middle of a meeting or something interrupts us. And as we consider what those places are for each of us, we recognize something else all throughout Scripture. One of the most frequent themes is that when God shows up, God is interrupting something. So what does that mean for us? Because fortunately, we're moving a little bit out of the warning parts of Luke, even though I promise more warnings are to come because this is Luke. But we what does this mean for us, though, in a, in a moment where those warnings lead us to this deep question about what does it mean to be the people of God? What rules are the ones we should follow? How do we discern this? And so I wanna lift up this consideration for us this week. What does it mean to be the body of Christ as people who are interruptible when God shows up? It is easy to be so caught up in what we're doing, trampling through no intention, but just through human nature. The sanctity of the sabbath by being about our own business and what we see in this woman who comes to jesus for healing in the middle of things on a day where it's against the rules is that people of god live to be interrupted by the things that god sends our way that doesn't mean everything has to change all the time it's simply a reminder And keep our eyes and our ears and our hearts open for the things that God might be working in our midst. That if we're not watching carefully and not doing things with the spirit of interruptibility, we might otherwise miss. So this week as we go about our normal lives, as we go about the business of our families and the business of our work, or the business of of what gives us pleasure and meaning and hope, or go about the business of what it means to be part of the church, I encourage us to think about what it means to be interruptible and not get so caught up in what we're doing that we're unable to see the Spirit of God motioning to us or hear the Spirit of God calling to us to worry about the things that bring more honor and glory to the work that we're about than some of the things that might already be going on. Amen.